Hoot 7 proudly brings to you Basketball Hustle, featuring your host, the writer, Chris Pike, and the scoring machine, Sean Reddish. Now it's time for another episode of Hoops Heaven's Basketball Hustle. Hello and welcome to another special episode here of Hoops Heaven's Basketball Hustle. We're all trying to fill in the days thanks to coronavirus that's stretched across the world and in, I guess in respect to that, I've now decided to reach out beyond the shores of, of Australia and reconnect with somebody who I still think is one of the, the most memorable basketball players that I've ever spent time with. The few months that he was in Perth and I, well, for reasons that we don't probably need to go into, I became his, his chauffeur in, in some ways and I got to know him really well, had a great time with him. I still think the Perth Wildcats don't win that 2010 championship without him on their team, but he's done a lot outside of what he did what he did in the NBL. So let's get straight into it. Galen Young, a basketball legend from right across the world, what you did during your career, and you're still doing it as a coach now. Thanks very much for joining me. No problem, mate. No problem, man. How are you guys doing? Yeah, we're doing okay. As you, as you know, we're pretty isolated here in Perth, so yep. we're... We've been told to stay indoors and, and we're taking all the usual precautions that everybody else across the world is, but we haven't been quite hit. We've, we're probably, I think we're around 500 cases of coronavirus here in Perth, so we've been able to do a lot of the right things. But, yeah, it's hit the United States a lot harder, obviously. How, how are you holding up right now? And I am in uh, Jackson, Tennessee, uh, where I coach. At Lane College, it's a smaller town. Um, it's like seventy miles uh, north of Memphis, where I'm originally from, which is a bigger city, and maybe 120 miles south of Nashville, Tennessee, which is an, also another bigger city. And so, from what I hear, there's like maybe 30 cases here, but it's uh, you know, it's 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 not as the people here, you know, smaller town and, you know, the people here, they're taking precautions, but, you know, it's they still try to live, uh, you know, their way of life. And so, you know, I take precautions as well, but I, I still go up to the school where I, I work and, you know, I still do my my things in the office. And I'm also just, you know, I, I just have to be outside. And so, yeah. you know, I'm taking precautions, but, you know. I'm I'm trying not to let it just drive me crazy, but you know I'm I'm still being safe. Yeah, you mentioned how you're coaching at, at at Lane College at the moment, and obviously we've just finished March, and March is a massive time in in college basketball. How did that affect your your March in terms of a, a basketball program? Uh, well, Lane College is a HBCU. I'm yep. sure most. Australians don't have no clue what HBCU <laughs> is, but it's a historic black college and university. And so there are these colleges that were established back in the day for black people in the U.S. to attend because they could not go to white colleges. So these institutions were formed for black students who wanted a higher education. And so Lane College has been around for over 100 years. It's one of the oldest HBCUs in the country. And so, you know, I've been here for five years. And it's, it's, it's taught me a lot 
because, you know, I'm dealing with a lot of kids who aren't traditional college students because Lane College is like a second chance university where it gives people who hmm, would not ordinarily be able to get into like a Michigan or Notre Dame or uh, UCLA. It gives these kids, mostly from inner cities, big inner cities, a chance to go to college. And so, you know, it's, 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 been, it's been a struggle, but I come from the struggle. So, hey, you know, mm. this is my chance to give back. Well, I mean, your dream coming through was to play in the NBA. And in the end, you ended up making a, a, a big impact internationally. And a lot of your career was played overseas. Do you see some kids now at Lane College that could end up making a professional career for themselves internationally? Well, you know what? This past season, I had a kid, um, Kendarius Ash is his name. Mm-hmm. Um, he was Defensive Player of the Year in our conference two years in a row. He led the nation in rebounding last, uh, his junior year, and he actually got drafted last year, number 26 in the G League's draft. And so the only thing about it, like I said, I deal with so many young people who, like, he came here and he had no idea that professional basketball was in his plans. Mm -hmm. He just came here to go to school, to get out of Atlanta, the inner city of Atlanta, came here. He's 6'7", 185 pounds. Mm -hmm. But the four years that he was here, he was allergic to the weight room. And he stayed six, seven, 185 pounds. And so I, I constantly was telling him, telling him, telling him, like, hey, man, you have to look the part. You have to look the part. You have to work on shooting. You have to do this. You have to do that. But when you're dealing with kids who don't have expectations of themselves outside of, you know, the normal, you know, uh, hustling and things of that nature, they don't see the big picture. So he didn't see the big picture until the senior year was halfway over and there was talk about, hey, hey, man, you could possibly make a living out of this. So he was like, yo, coach, let's get serious. I'm like, dude, it's 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 tough right now to get serious with only a few months before you have to audition for all of these people, because you only get one or two chances if you're not the chosen one. You know, and so he got drafted first round G League, which was outstanding. He never thought that would happen. He was amazed and went there, didn't shoot the ball as well as he wanted to, didn't look the part because he, like I said, he's 6'7, 185. With the guy that they chose was 6'7, 220. Mm-hmm. So his body looked like he could take, you know, the, the, the abuse and the pounding and would hold up. And so, you know, that's what happened. But, you know, he set out this summer and he's working hard to try to get, you know, another crack at it. So we'll just see. But he's the only one that I truly thought um, my five years being here that had a chance. Because, like I said, he's six seven, six seven athletic, yeah, sure. plays defense like uh, like I did. He just yeah. he, he would he would guard the entire crowd if he had to. Mm hmm. You know, and he rebounds like crazy. You know, every time the ball comes off the rim, he wants it. And there's not a lot of people that do that. That's a special skill right there. For sure. 
Now, 10, 10 years ago from spending time with you when you're in Perth, you basically were a playing assistant coach. That that was basically the way you sort of took on that role when you yeah. joined the Wildcats. So, so I think it's no surprise that you've gone on to be be a coach now. Do you see yourself becoming a, a career coach? Is that where you'd like to like to stay? Oh, man, you know what? I've been in this five years. I gave myself a 30-year window. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I was... I was actually, here's a funny story. I was actually on my way back to Australia before I retired. Okay. I was on my way back to Australia, back to Townsville. Okay, yeah. But I was, me and my fiance at the time, we were having twin boys and we were having a cesarean. So we knew exactly when the boys were coming. So Townsville was like, hey, we need you out here on this date. And I was like, hey, I can't be out there on that date because that's the week my sons are being born. And so, you know, they were like, well, you know, of course, they tried to, you know, strong arm me a little bit as far as like, hey, well, we may have to go a different direction if you can't be out here then. And I was like, you know what? I've had a great career. I've won championship over there. And if you guys can't respect that, then, hey, I'll just, you know, just hang it up because you know what? I've played basketball my entire life. I've been through many, many, many preseasons, which is basically just running and, you know, photo ops and things of that nature, which I stay in shape myself. And mm-hmm. photo ops, you can do that later on. But I've never seen the birth of my own children. Yeah. So I was not I was not going to miss that for anything in life. And so that's when I hung it up. That's when I retired, the week my sons were being born. It, it's it's hard to argue that you made the right decision because if a club wasn't willing to respect that, then they're probably not going to be willing to treat you that well when you got there either. Um, I mean, that must have been seven or eight years ago now. Tell me about your twin boys now. How are they growing up? Oh, man, they're awesome. They're seven years old. Mm-hmm. I mean, they love sports. Um, they love to wrestle. They're real boys, you know, <laughs> from the time they wake up, they look for each other and they put each other in the headlock, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> and so, you know, like everyone asks me all the time, Hey, are your boys going to play basketball? I say, maybe, you know, mm-hmm. I don't know. You know, my parents didn't push me into basketball. And so I'm not going to push my sons into basketball. You know, like I was just, with them a week ago and we started you know throwing the the baseball around and when i tell Mm -hmm. you these guys have great hand-eye coordination i just you know they play t-ball do you know what t-ball is yeah absolutely okay they play t-ball growing up but that's nothing like baseball you know no no and so yeah we we play table here as well okay perfect so you know I was like, okay, guys, I went and bought them bigger gloves, you know, so they can grow into them a little bit. And we and I bought them a soft, a soft, like base, same size as the baseball, but it's, it's rubber. Just so, you know, if I throw it at them and they miss it and it hits them in the head, it won't kill them, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, you know, we're out there throwing. And when I tell you these little guys have such hand-eye coordination, it is crazy. And, you know, I I know I'm their father and I know I'm supposed to be proud of them, but I don't just, you know, just just jump 
joy whenever your kid does something because that doesn't make sure. your kid much more special than any other kid. Yeah. yeah. But but when I was watching these little guys, me and my father, my father was who is rarely impressed about anything, was like, wow. <laughs> he was like, wow, those little boys right there can really catch a dang baseball. And I was like, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I had them flagging down pop-ups. I'm throwing the ball as high as I can, and these little seven-year-old boys are running right up under it, catching it in their glove. And I'm just like, okay, well, we may have some baseball players on our hands. Yeah, you know? yeah, maybe. So, you know, they're doing great. Um, they're in Iowa right now yep. at, their, at their grandmother's farm. Okay. She's a rancher, so they fed, they fed cows and pigs today. Wow. Yes. You know, and so <laughs> they're they're out they're out in the country just you know just running around. Everything is Oh yeah, that's that's a perfect place for them. Perfect place yeah. for them. They're in the the middle of the US where not a lot of things are going on, not a lot of people. They're out on their grandmother's farm, ranch that they have like 120 acres of cattle and like I said, pigs and stuff like that. And so, you know, they're just running free and just being little boys. Hmm. Now, a lot of people will be will be tuning in to listen to us talk about your time in the NBL, and we'll, we'll get to that. But it's remarkable to think that it's been 10 years since you won that championship in Perth. What have you heard about the NBL since you've been, you've been back home? In a lot of ways, it's grown, and it's probably, oh, I guess at least until coronavirus hit, it's been in the strongest in the strongest situation it's been for the last 20 years, we've changed owners since since you, you played here. So we've got a private owner that's now running the league. We've got the TV deals are, are improving. We, we, we're getting our games broadcast right around the, the world, including into the into the US. So I don't know if you've had a chance to, to, to watch any of them. Our crowds are going through the roof and, you know, we, we've been able to bring some some future NBA NBA players like Lamelo Ball and RJ Hampton to come out and play in recent years as well, and obviously guys with big names like Andrew Bogut who have come back to play as well. What have you heard about the NBL since you last played here? Well, you know my main man, Corey Homicide Williams. <laughs> you know that's He's my guy the right the there. He is. Yeah, that's that's my guy, guy. You know yep. what I'm saying? And so, you know, I, I keep abreast of everything that's going on in the NBL through mm. him. And, you know, he sure. is a mouthpiece, you <laughs> yes. know, he is a mouthpiece. And so, you know, um, I tell everyone, you know, I've, I've played in 10 different countries throughout mm-hmm. my 13 years of, of playing professional basketball. And people ask me all the time. Where where was your favorite places to play? And Australia is always in my top two. Mm-hmm. Always. And, you know, it was towards the tail end of my career, but I met some really genuine people and the basketball was, you know, tremendous. The crowds were tremendous. People were into it. People understood what they were watching. Um, management understood that, hey, it's not just on the Americans to win the game. You had to have a team to win a game because it's a team sport. And so, you know, it was, it was, things were done right in Australia. 
and, you know, uh, I appreciate the time that I was there. You know, I wish I would have had another chance to, you know, repeat with Perth, but, you know, mm-hmm. hey, the powers that be didn't see that. And so, you know, but like I said, I have nothing but good things to say about the NBL and nothing but good things to say about Australia. I wanted to ask you about homicide, so I'm glad you brought him up. You played with him in Townsville, obviously, and I I remember we had a great time when you got to Perth and we were building up the rivalry when you played against against Corey. Corey was happy to trash talk you and you were happy to answer back, so we had some great fun with that. At that time, did you ever imagine that he would post his playing career, end up living in Australia and become basically the face of the NBL? It's been a remarkable, remarkable journey for him. Well, you know, one thing about Corey, well, one thing about New Yorkers, right? One thing about New Yorkers, they have the gift of gab. Most New Yorkers that I know will talk themselves into a situation or talk (laughs) themselves out of a situation, Mm -hmm. right? And Corey is the type of person that has a knack for talking himself into situations. Yeah. And so, you know, it is it has been just crazy and also to understand the story of Corey, right? For him to come from street ball playing one-on-one in the parks to now, like you said, the voice of the NBL, mm. you know, one of the most hated uh <laughs> characters in yeah. Australian basketball history that's that's freaking that's freaking amazing right there man yeah like he has a real 30 for 30 story (laughs) you know he does and you know i got a chance to meet Corey only when one of another one of my good friends went down roselle ellis you know we were all out in in townsville small little bitty town but townsville Mm. was freaking outstanding you know and so Corey comes in and just instantly me and him hit it off. You know, he's from New York. I'm from Memphis. You know, he's from the Big Apple. I'm from a supposedly small, smaller country town. But Mm. we're both from the same type of environment. Whereas we grew up, hey, you know, we had to pull it up out the mud, you know, to, to get what we wanted to get. We neither one of us was the chosen one. And so, you know, he has turned all of that into, you know, what he is today. And I'm super proud of the guy, man. I, I really and truly am. You know, we, we talk and we text and things of that nature. But I'm, I'm, I'm super proud of him, of, of who he has become, you know, because, hey, he, he has worked for it. Like I said, he has put himself in positions to garner what he has achieved because you know in life that's what it is man you you have to be prepared for the opportunities and he's been prepared for the opportunities that have come his way and with that right there that's like a big you know a big a big deal because there's so many people who are not prepared when opportunity knocks and you only get like i said you only get one or two of those yeah. then after that they move on to the next person and and Especially Corey has your... capitalized. Sorry. No, go ahead. No, go ahead. No, no, no. Okay, going. And and Corey has capitalized on all of that, and and he does a great job. He knows what he's doing. You know, he he's just not just milking this. 
he's in this for the long haul. Mm-hmm. You know, he's in it for the long haul. And so, Absolutely. you know, like I said, I'm proud. I'm proud of my guy. This past NBL Grand Final series, which concluded about a month ago now, and it ended up being ended a bit a bit early and controversial decision to award the championship to the Wildcats before the series actually finished. But that's another another matter. But even though it was ten years ago when you played here, a lot of people in that series you'll be familiar with. So I'm interested to get your thoughts. Trevor Gleason, who was your coach in Townsville, he's now been coaching in Perth for for seven or eight years, and he's now won five championships with with the Wildcats as a as a coach. Damien Martin and Jesse Wagstaff, who you played with in that championship, they're now six time championship winners. And then you have a look at the Sydney Kings, and they had Kevin Lish on their team, who had who obviously you started with and won that title with in Perth, but he's gone off to play play in Spain for a couple of years. He's now an Australian citizen. He's been to the Olympics and he's won two MVPs in the league as well. And he's now the Sydney Kings captain. It's amazing to think that even though it was 10 years ago, there's still plenty of people that, that you're very familiar with that are, are still involved in the league. Well, you know what? I'll tell you like this, right? When I got to Perth, right, I – Won championships. I've I've been on. I've been MVPs of teams. All that good stuff. When I got to Perth, right, they were talking about this three-year plan. Yep. I looked around at the landscape of the talent that we had, and I <laughs> I, I talked to Bevo, and I was like, "Look, the hell with that three-year plan, dude. We can win right now. We can win it all right now." Because I'd played in Australia, right? I knew what other teams had, the talent level, right? And I knew that the talent that was there was good enough to win it all. Mm-hmm. And I would have talks to Kevin Lish, and I was like, yo, Kev, look, hey, dog, you can shoot like hell. Like, yo. So I was just gassing him, gassing my dog, you can do, hey, look, we can win. He was like, gee, really? Because Kevin was, you know, he was straight out of, straight out of college. Yep. You know, St. Louis and whatnot, this is his first rodeo. So I was like, dude, look, hey, we can get this done. Then, you know, I had my my big fella, because you have to remember, I came to Australia as a shooting guard. (laughs) I know. He ended up as a starting center. I, exactly. I came to Australia <laughs> as a shooting guard, right? I was extremely strong and extremely just just hungry to win. So mm-hmm. when our big guys in, in Townsville went down, I was like, the hell with it. And then Roselle went down, I was like, hey, the hell with that. I'll I'll play powerful or whatever. Yep. So boom, that started that in Australia. So when Perth called, they were like, yeah, we need somebody to come down here and, and, and play in the post. I was like, all right, I, <laughs> that's not what I do, but I can do it. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, when I got there, like I said, I was like, no, nah, the hell with this three year plan. Let's do this shit now. Let's get this done now. And so Bevo and our assistant coach, they were like, gee, for real? I was like, hell yeah. So I gassed them up as well, mm. and they were like, oh, okay, well, they, they changed their whole attitude about it. Yep. And so, you know, it was like, man, look, I don't have time to damn waste. I need, you know, let's, 
let's win and let's win now. And so, you know, things started happening. You know, I I wasn't there to score. I was just there to, you know, score a little bit, be an enforcer, rebounder, tough guy. Just basically be damn Draymond Green. Hold everything yeah. the damn together. And and that's what I did. And we ended up winning the championship, man. And, you know, it was it was great, man, because, you know, Perth fans, man, I mean, you know, that building used to rock. I can just imagine the building now, yeah. you know, and whatnot and how it rocks and things of that nature. But it was a it was a good time. And, you know, like I said, I wish I could have done it because we could have we could have won back to back championships. Yeah. Easy, easy, because Lish had confidence through the roof. You know, Jesse was a rookie then, and he yeah. had success, so he was coming back. He would have through the roof. Sean was, you know, Sean, you know, he was like <laughs> Kobe, just catching it <laughs> yeah. and score. When you pass Sean the ball, don't even worry about him getting it back. You, you just know <laughs> he's going to shoot it. Yep. Exactly. And so, you know, uh, we could have, we could demo garden everybody ninety four feet. Yeah, you know, so we could have run it back the next year. But you know, like I said, the powers that be, you know, didn't think about it, or they may have, I don't know. But mm-hmm. you know, it it was what it was, and you know, uh, I was fortunate enough to um, get a championship. And yeah, man, you know, I enjoyed it, and I have nothing but fond memories of it and I met some really good people and you know hey you know Australia will always be a a highlight of my career like like I said at the start I don't think that team would have won the championship without you because before you came in they, they wouldn't just didn't have. quite no they <laughs> they just didn't quite have that self belief you have a look at at guys like Kevin Lish and Stevie Way and maybe even Jesse Wakes up they were still young and didn't quite believe it for whatever reason even the home fans had turned on Luke Schencher by that that stage as well. So he was having some some self doubt. I guess, like you said, Sean was Sean was probably at that stage trying to learn to be a team player because he hadn't hadn't been before, and he would be he would go on to become a much better team player as his as his career began to to wind down. And and I guess Martin Catalini was the veteran on the team, but not so much a a vocal. Type type leader, he he kind of was happy to, yeah. to step back. You, you were the guy that really did motivate that group to, I think, achieve what they did. Man, you know what? I'll I'll go to my grave knowing that and believing that, because mm. for the simple fact that you know I I know what winning looks like. You mm. know, winning has followed me throughout my entire career. From the time that I started playing basketball, you know, and I'm not saying that I'm LeBron James or Michael Jordan, anything like that. No, you know, I just know what it takes to win. I will set the screen that needs to be set. Mm -hmm. I will go get the rebound that needs to be got. I will make the extra pass that needs to be made. I will play defense 94 feet and make it hell for the best offensive player on their team. And I will fight anyone who is like, yo, fuck in the system. Mm-hmm. So I was like, yo, we can win. If I have to tell you, hey, you're the greatest thing since sliced bread, 
Believe that shit. Come on, let's go. I got you. Hmm. You know? And yeah, so... Yep, sorry. No, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, as fond as the memory ended up being by the end of the season, the first couple of weeks were tough because you had to do a lot of running sessions in a pretty broken down old gym. You'd be you'd be happy to hear that the training's now done in a in a brand new basketball center across the road. But that gym you had to do those running sessions in to try to get into shape. That that was tough. That was a tough first couple of weeks when you got to Perth. Oh, that's that's nothing right there. <laughs> okay. I I I grew up playing basketball and my coach was from Mississippi. Hey, do you know anything about Mississippi? Yeah, a little bit. Yes, exactly. It's you come out of Mississippi, it's a tough life for a black man. Sure. Sure. Right? So my head coach in high school is from Mississippi. And when I tell you we ran and ran and ran and ran, and he didn't give a damn if you passed out, that's true. Mm. When you missed a layup in practice, like when I was playing high school ball, there was still corporal punishment. You missed a layup in practice, you might as well just run over to the coach. He grabbed you by the back of your shorts and hit you with this wooden paddle on your ass. Mm. Yes. So, yeah. yeah. So, you know, and then there was no air conditioning in our gym. So we're in the South, the deep South, hot as hell, no AC. We're running like we're freaking training for the New York Marathon. Mm -hmm. So when I Mm -hmm. went other places, the preseason workouts and whatever, that was nothing. That was nothing to me. That's just like, okay, come on, let's get this shit done. So we can get into practice, accomplish something, and you know, hey, if you want to run some more, let's do that too. I don't care. Mm, yeah, you know. So that's the mindset that I had. That's the mindset that I came up in. So, like, I'm never afraid of hard work. Never, mm-hmm. because to me, it's like, okay, well, hell, this is going to get me better. Running, mm-hmm. okay, this is a workout right here. It's not punishment. I don't think of it as punishment. It's, sure. it's a workout. I'm going to get better from this right here. How many laps? I don't even ask, Coach, how many laps. <laughs> yep. Just run until he tells you to stop. Well, and in credit to you, it probably only took a week or two until you're in tip-top shape. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. All I need to know is what you need me to do. Mm-hmm. What do you need me to do? Boom, lay it out for me. Don't switch it up every week. Lay it all out, and then we can tweak it if need be. So, like I said, Kevin Lish, all right, boom, could score. But Kevin yep. Lish was, you know, college. Kevin, who was Kevin Lish in college? Nobody. Yeah, yeah. He came to Australia and and lined himself up with, in the perfect situation, and boom. Because basketball, sports in general, is all about confidence. After Kevin got that win, Kevin got playoff MVP, confidence went through the roof. Now Kevin's like, you know what? I can play with it. I can play with any damn body. And that's all you need. All you need to do is believe in yourself. You're absolutely right. He turned into a different person after that just with his confidence. Hell yeah, he did. Like I said before, he ended up being an Olympian, a two-time MVP. He's done he's done a hell of a lot in in his career and he's also got four kids at home, which he's trying to look after as well. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Um, 
Now, as much as I enjoyed what you did on the court, I'll never forget the time that I was able to spend with you off the court as well. It was it was one of the one of the highlights of my professional career is getting to spend some time with you. And as you know, you, you couldn't drive at the time, so you needed somebody to help you get around a, a little bit. How, how much did you enjoy the lifestyle in Perth and even Townsville when you reflect back on it as well? How much did you, did you enjoy being, being out in this part of the world? Man, one thing about it, Australians can party like hell, <laughs> you know, and, 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 and so it was, I first touched down in Townsville and I'm there and like, you know, in, in, in other countries, <laughs> in other countries, they, they try to steer you away from going out. They don't want you mm. to, yep. right? Townsville got there. They were like, Hey, Boom, dropped me off on the strip. They're like, hey, <laughs> I see you tomorrow. I was like, yep, oh, yep. shit, really? Yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, I had great times. Like I said, I met some incredible people uh, in, in, in Townsville and, and Perth and whatnot, you know. And so, you know, it's just one of those things, man, to where it's like, hey, you just you just come here and you, you dive into the culture and you know, it, it is what it is. And, you know, I, I made some mistakes. Yes, true. But, you know, hey, I'm not the first and I won't be the last person. Mm-hmm. Now, you mentioned before how Australia was one of your your top two places that you played in. What's the other one? What What's the other country that you played in that you have really fond memories of? Uh, the Philippines and Italy. Sure. I mean, the Philippines, well, you have to love the Philippines. Like, yeah, yeah. They gave, I had a driver, a maid, you know, I mean, (laughs) like, like I had teammates that would just, like, they didn't have to take off their shoes. Mm. Yeah. Like, they had people working for them that would untie their shoes and outside of the, the shower and hand them the towel and, and soap. Yep. But I was like, nah, I can't do all that. I'm like, nah, that's no, I, I don't, I'm, I don't, I'm not cut from that. That's not mm-hmm. what I do. No, no, but no, no, no. no, but you know, as far as I mean, crowds, I mean, it was phenomenal in the Philippines. Like people yeah. jam packed the place. I remember one time, uh, I, I, called an entire body cramp in the Philippines mm-hmm. because I played every minute of the damn game. <laughs> yep. Like Americans, you played every minute except for maybe like some teams will give you five minutes, five <laughs> minute break, but that's it. <laughs> yep. And and so, I mean, you do all the basketballs, you could do it. I mean, it was like, yeah, it was like, I mean, it was crazy, but the lifestyle was great. The people were cool. I mean, even the poorest people over there will invite you into their houses and feed you. You know, just real genuine, genuine, genuine people. And then Italy was just so awesome. It was just, you know, I was I was in Caserta, which is South Italy, and I would open my bay windows in my house, and I could see sicily from from my house oh wow yeah yes and you know 
all the women wore heels every single day, <laughs> you know, and it was just like, wow. I mean, it was yeah. like a fashion show every day. <laughs> um, going back to the Philippines for a second, given how positive your experience was, what was your reaction when you saw what happened in that game where their national team played the Australian national team? And I don't know if you did see it, but things got a little bit out of hand, it's fair to say. I, I saw that. I saw that. Yeah. Like Filipinos, right? Filipinos, you know, they're known to be big people, but they have mm. big hearts, you know. Sure. They're not when they <laughs> when they feel disrespected, you know, <laughs> yeah. they don't they don't take that lightly at all. <laughs> and so, you know, I don't know exactly what happened <laughs> at all, yeah. but you know, when when Filipinos feel like, you know, hey, you're taking advantage of them or whatnot. Hey, they're gonna, you know, they're gonna, you know, end up or whatever they do, and you know, and so you know, hey, it it is what it is. You know, sports, yeah. sports is competitive. You know, it's it's your will against mine, and sometimes you know, hey, you know, temper flare. Sometimes people take things out of context and run with you know an idea that may not be there but you know, it's just one of those things man and so you know sometimes you have to take the good with the bad you know mm. you hopefully the bad is very far and few in between but you know when you get men riled up women too when you get women yeah. hell when i see women play women take it more serious than men <laughs> absolutely yes and so you know uh, when you get people riled up and get those juices flowing, man, anything can happen. I don't know if you remember playing against Chris Golding, but he was the one that the Filipinos felt disrespected them to start it. And then I'm sure you wouldn't be surprised to hear that Luke Longley was the one that was able to, to calm everything down. Well, you know, uh, like I said, I don't know exactly what happened. But I do know I, I've had some run-ins with, you know, some Australian guys. And they they can be slick. You know, they can be slick about the mouth. And so, you know, <laughs> you just have to, you know, hey, like I said, man, you know, I, I grew up in Memphis. And so, you know, there's a lot of shit talkers in Memphis. And so, you know, you have to decipher, you know, what's credible and what's not. Was it, was it hard to take Australians seriously when they tried to trash talk you? Uh, well, you know, there's. You know, guys who just 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 talk a lot yeah. don't really bother me at all. Sure. You know, guys who talk and they're all about action, those are the ones that, you know, you have to size up. You know, guys who just just step on the court and they're talking shit from from the jump, it's like, dude, it's like, mm -hmm. you know, there's like what are you talking about right now? <laughs> you know. Yeah. yeah. Now, so, you mentioned you know, that you did, did anyone stand out in from an Australian perspective? Is anyone you remember that might have had a good line or two that they sent your way? Uh, what's my guy's name? Uh, big guy from New Zealand. Everyone thought he was the strongest guy in the league. Damn it. Perro Cameron? I'm killing myself. Perro, that's my guy now. Yeah. yeah. Yes, okay. me and Perro locked up one time. Me and Perro locked up one time. And like Perro was supposed to be the bully of the league. Everybody <laughs> yep, yep. was like, oh, Perro, oh, Perro, this, that, and the third. 
And I was like, oh, okay. And so, you know, me and him locked up one time and, you know, it was just like, oh, well, okay. Well, like, you're supposed to be this. You're supposed to be that. But, you know, and I ended up, you know, I don't know if he tripped, fell. I don't know. <laughs> but when we locked up, he ended up falling. Mm-hmm. And okay. so, you know, but after that, after that, when I played New Zealand, Perro was a coach um, for Wellington. Yep. And, you know, me and him became really cool and nature. So there was no hard feelings after that. Right. Like I said, man, sports is just one of those things. You know, if if you don't like sneak me or anything like that, we can square up and box. Boom, boom, boom. Like and heat the like moment. Yeah, exactly. We can square <laughs> up and box in the heat of the moment. Yep. You know, nothing's, you know, after that, hey, it's over and done with, you know, my book, you know, but yeah, you know, but other than that, man, I, you know, I never had any problems with anyone in Australia. You know, Mm -hmm. there were guys that, you know, you know, talk, talk trash, but you know, there was, you know, it wasn't anything that I wasn't used to. Hell, I grew up, there were guys in, you know, in, in high school talking about, hey, you score another bucket, you know, we're going to see you outside <laughs> and they would show you your gun, the guns. Yeah. So, no, you know, exactly. It's like, yeah, exactly. So it's like, man, look, you come that right there and you, sure. everything else is like, all right, whatever. Para Cameron is now the national, national coach of New Zealand. So he's, he's moved on to some, some, some pretty good things in his coaching career as well. Um, now you mentioned your coaching career, you've given yourself a 30 year window and, you're five years into that now. Where do you see yourself heading? Where would you like to see your coaching career head? Well, man, you know, uh, I'm actually looking to move into the women's side of basketball right now. You know, okay. I have my ears open because I'm leaving Lane College where I'm at. I'm leaving okay. and uh, I'm trying to, you know, uh, move into a better situation. Um, and so I've, I've opened the thoughts of uh, – coaching on the women's side because you know basketball is basketball you know uh hell if you want to learn how to play basketball i can teach you how to play basketball women men children it doesn't matter you know Mm -hmm. and so you know like i said my my quest is to national championships that's what i i don't want to be a professional coach you know because playing professional ball is you know coaching is a lot all about you know Managing egos. I don't want to have to manage, you know, even though you have to manage egos in college, it's coaching. These kids are trying to learn how to get to the next level. And not all of them will make it. Maybe one if you, if they're lucky. So everyone else is eager to learn how to be the best, you know, they can be at that time. So that's what I want to do. I want to teach. I want to teach basketball because basketball was taught to me the right way. So I want to teach other people the right way how to play basketball. And so, you know, there's not a lot of teaching, true teaching going on. It's just a lot of, I hope you're good here at basketball. Go make me look good. Yeah. Well, from from talking to a lot of people that have coached both men and women, the difference seems to be that the women are much more willing to learn and to be taught and to actually go out and follow the instructions that the coach gives them. Maybe men are a little bit more probably they want to go out there and put on a show themselves and maybe they don't listen to what they're told as much. That could be a thing where if you get involved in the women's side of it, if you're wanting to teach, 
they might actually be a lot more willing to to learn what you're what you are teaching. You know, I I also coach cross country running, okay. right? So I coach that. I coach women's and men's cross country running here at Lane College as well as basketball. Yeah. So, like, I treat my women women runners as athletes. I don't treat them as women. I treat them as athletes because that's what everyone claims to be, an athlete. So, you know, I'm like, hey, boom. And and what I found is that I could tell my girls to, hey, I need you all to run seven miles, come back, lift, do this workout, boom. No problems. They do it. My guys, oh, I have to trail behind them. I have to sit in the weight room and watch them do the workout. And it's just like, you got to be kidding me. But women truly, a lot of the times, want the information. They want to be better. Whereas guys, a lot of times, they want to cut corners. They want everyone. All guys think they're going to play in the NBA. I don't know where they they get this from. And they think they know better, don't they? <laughs> yes, they do. Yeah. yeah. It's like, dude, you can't even beat me one-on-one, and I'm 44 mm-hmm. years old. So yep. how in the world do you think you're going to make an NBA team? Not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, and so, you know, like my, my young ladies, they just, they just like, hey, coach, I just, I just want to be better. That's all, that's all they think about a lot of times. I just want to be better than I am today. And whereas a lot of guys think I am better than what I am today. Yep. No, you're that's not. Right. Yes. That's yeah. the difference. Yeah, that's where I think you might actually really enjoy it as a coach. I think you might be making the right call. Um, now, you've been very generous with your time, and I really have enjoyed catching up with you immensely. So hopefully everyone has enjoyed listening to it. Um, what does the next month or two look like for you now? Thanks to what we're dealing with coronavirus is a lot of is a lot of your life on hold or what does the next period of time look like for you? Do you think? Man, a, a lot of, uh, pretty much life is on hold right now. Yeah. You know, um, since the final four was canceled, you know, yeah. that's like the big coaches convention during that same weekend. And yeah. so that's when you go to network with everyone. So that was not put into play. And so, you know, coaches have been, suspended as far as not being, you know, not being allowed on campus, not being allowed to recruit. And so everything is at a standstill right now. And so that, that has thrown a monkey wrench into everything, but you know, I'm just going to just make lemonade out of lemons and, you know, Mm -hmm. just try to put myself in the best position that I can. Um, Actually tonight, when you called, I was doing a, a new player, a new coaching profile for myself to send okay. out um, for the for the women's side in college basketball. And so, you know, we're just going to keep kicking all the tires, man. Yeah. No, I wish you all the best because you were you were great to me in the time we were together. We 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 stayed in touch, and it's great to now reconnect because you, you're always going to be one of my favorite people that I've ever dealt with. In basketball, so if there's ever anything I can do to help you in your career, then you know where to find me. But I hope everyone else enjoyed listening to this as much as I enjoyed chatting with you, and and hopefully you enjoyed 
a little bit of a trip down memory lane as well. Man, I have, man. You know, I, I really appreciate you reaching out um, to me. That 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 means the world. That lets me know that I've I've done some good things along the way, and I'm gonna just continue to try to do good things and and make the people that that know me proud to know me. And so, you know, if I continue to do that, man, hey, when it's all said and done, I'll 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 be thrilled, and my and my sons will be proud of the dad. Oh, you're doing a great job with that. So thanks again for joining us. And and we might even down the track try to reconnect you with some of your former teammates as well. So stay tuned here on Hoop 7's Basketball Hustle and you might hear some more from Galen Young as well, which I'm sure is something that you might be open to. Well, hey, man, hey, definitely be open to that, bro. Definitely. Bye, have a great time.